0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. Peterson Toyota, who's a great Ram Nation partner, has been proudly serving the Fort Collins, Windsor, and Loveland communities since 1968. They're a family-owned and operated business, and they're committed to making the car buying and service experience smooth and stress-free with a friendly and accommodating staff in all their departments. Inventory is still an issue in the car business today. But Peterson Toyota prioritizes their inventory for local customers, ensuring that you have the best selection around. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to Ram Nation Radio. Joel cannell I'll be joined by Mike Rowe and... Athletic Director Joe Parker shortly for our monthly call with Joe to ask him all sorts of stuff, including talk about conference expansion, which is back at the front burner once again. But uh, real quick, as we watched the, the Rams drop another tough home game last night, I I, I watched the watch the game. I'll flip on Ram Nation. I'll be browsing through the boards, and I I get it, man. I I am so frustrated by the losing as much as everybody. And I get the off the cuff and, and angry posts and, you know, it's, but one thing you, you got to understand is that this team is so shorthanded. It's missing some of the key pieces it really needed to have this year, obviously. Um, and you're still missing Jalen Lake uh, as one of the guys who is not out for the season. It kills you. He's a defender. He's a perimeter defender brings energy and length that you need and uh, you don't have him. And it's tough. So the Rams lose a tough one, 80 to 78, uh, a, a game that they kind of controlled in the first half, uh, then went through another stretch like we always seem to go through. I believe it was a 20, 20 to 4 Boise State run. I think we were up six at one point. And uh, next thing you know, we were down 10. And uh, really just a bad stretch there. And, and it seems like it happens almost every night. I know Nico in the post game was... Was talking about the fight of his team, but uh how he's getting tired of of the tough breaks and just not being able to come out on top. Said it was a game that they should have won. I thought you got a lot of really good performances. Um unfortunately, yeah, you yeah, we started really slow with with your two of your scores, Isaiah Stevens and Patrick Cartier in the first half were pretty non-existent. I think they were a combined one for 10 in the first half. Uh and then I think Patrick also was like two for six or something like that from the free throw line in the first half. So it was a really uh, you missed a chance to extend the lead uh, early on. And then at least to have the lead instead of being down six or whatever it was at half. Um, And then, you know, those two guys caught fire in the second half and that was great. It's just, unfortunately the first half, there was that stretch there. It just killed you. And um, I think a common theme was lack of rebounding. Yeah, uh, the offensive rebounding by, uh, Boise State just seemed like every time they missed a shot, uh, they were able to get the offensive rebound, especially on on threes. And they were, uh, they ended up kept catching fire late on some threes, but they were badly missing some threes earlier in the game, air balls and whatnot. It just always seemed to land in a Boise State player's hand, and and then they would kill you with a follow-up bucket or or worse, a three so i thought that was a big big issue you know and then it was a battle of basically two two very similar teams and the fact that they don't have a lot of depth not a great bench boise does not have a great bench they're basically all of their output came from their starters much like ours i think they had seven bench points we had 10 but dagan hart was a killer as always i mean he didn't he didn't go off but he was very efficient 7, seven of 10 uh from the field 3 of four from three he finished with 19 points also had six rebounds it was just he's just a just a really really good player i know nico medved has called him an mvp type player from mountain west um uh Najee smith had 17 they had shabers and, and agbo both had 15 so they they were very efficient max rice they did a good job on max rice he didn't he didn't kill you which in the past he has which is it's very very aggravating you know and then for CSU Same thing. I mean, all of our uh, uh, four of our starters. He had Cartier with eighteen, Isaiah Stevens with seventeen, Tanjay with sixteen, and and Isaiah Rivera. I thought had some really good moments too. He had thirteen points, and it's just I think the rebounding killed you. We had a couple very untimely turnovers, and I just thought that um, I I think you gotta believe that Isaiah Stevens was affected by the ankle injury or whatever it was. Uh, But he was he was hobbling and. To see him pull out the performance he did in the second half, despite that, despite the pain that he was in, was amazing. But you also would have liked to have seen him have that ball at the end of the game. you would like to see Tanjay give the ball up to, to Zay and see what Zay could do. And, um, and other points in the game where you just thought he, Isaiah had passed up some mid-range jumpers that he normally would take and bury. And uh, the, the I can think of the one possession when late in the game, he goes to pass to Isaiah Rivera, who he thought was going to be breaking for a backdoor and Rivera did not. And we threw the ball away. And that was just a really killer moment there to have that wasted possession. So a couple times, I just thought that that Isaiah, you just like him to be a little more selfish there and, and, and shoot, <laughs> but you wonder if he was affected a little bit by that, that, that angle. So all that being said, John Tanjay drives the ball up in desperation with six seconds left after a missed free throw. A three would have given you the win a two would have tied i think they collapsed on him and he kind of panicked i thought he had a chance to hit isaiah on the sideline or uh let isaiah set a pick because it looked like isaiah was calling for that he also had cartier potentially uh, just inside the three towards the top of the key uh, who was breaking towards the free throw line and instead Tanjay launches up a three it falls well short. In the replay, sure made it look like Hart got him on the arm, and Tanjay's body language and reaction sure made it seem like he thought he was fouled. And to me, it was, the ball was either tipped or he was fouled. And the ball definitely didn't look tipped, so he—I uh, believe he was fouled, and that affected the shot. You got to call it. <laughs> you got to call it. You see those calls made all the time. We didn't get a call. So anyway, another frustrating loss at home to a team that uh, is one of the best teams in the league. They're going to challenge for the conference championship. And we had a chance. We're right there to, to win that game and, and just couldn't get it done. And that's been the story of the season, just not having enough firepower. I, I saw – um 92 Yankee Ram posts this on the board. I don't know if it was in jest, but he said, hey, can we stop saying that this team doesn't have the talent to to compete in this league? And And I see what he's saying uh, as far as that goes. I mean, because we've been in a lot of these games. We just can't seem to get over the top and make enough plays to pull them out. I would argue that that this team on various nights can compete when they play at their best. But con- as far as consistency goes and, and winning and being in a game every night, I don't think this team has the firepower with the the injuries and the guys out that we have. The guys on the court last night gave their all. You're missing key components. You're missing size inside. Josiah Strong, you're missing his defense and ability to hit threes as well. And obviously, Jalen Lake is another shooter and a good defender. So those, those are three just killers right there that you're missing uh, from this team. And if you have those, I, I believe if you have all three of those guys consistently and we – we minimize some of the other injuries that we've had this year. I think you can definitely say that this team would have been in the top half, I believe, of the league standings this year. But way, way, way too many uh, injuries and illnesses and adversity for this team. And, and right now you're you're playing. The you guys are getting minutes that in an ideal year are, are probably only spelling starters for a few minutes here and there. So that's where we're at. So another frustrating loss. We'll talk a little bit more about the game and basketball in general with Steve Ivey and Mike Rowe tonight as we bring on Tavey Jackson, Patrick Cartier, and Isaiah Rivera. So stay tuned for that. All right, let me pause real quick and tell you about Ginger and Baker. We have talked about their amazing pie lineup, which includes some of the best pies you will ever taste, including some of my favorites, the double crust apple pie, maple pecan pie, chocolate peanut butter. Oh, but their savory pies are equally as famous We all know about the delectable chicken pot pie, but they have recently added to their cafe menu two new savory pot pies, also the veggie pot pie with the creamy filling, bursting with veggies and fresh herbs. And then the short rib pot pie, which is chock full of slow braised short ribs, veggies, and brown gravy. Delicious. The cafe has a ton of other amazing farm to table American comfort food classics. And of course, for an even more elevated experience, you can dine at Ginger and Baker's other primary restaurant, The Cash, which is a modern Colorado steakhouse offering steaks and chops, fine wine, good whiskey ginger baker also features a coffee shop event spaces a market a teaching kitchen this place is amazing guys support our friend ginger graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place ginger and baker all right we are pleased to bring in csu athletic director joe parker joe is joining us live from san diego traveling with the women's basketball team out in beautiful sunny san diego although it is 7 a.m there at the moment so we We thank Joe for his dedication to joining us every month. Joe, I know uh, you being in San Diego or not at the men's basketball game last night, another tough home loss for this team, a shorthanded team that played their guts out. I mean, they they missed some opportunities to put that game away earlier and uh, just didn't make enough plays down the stretch, a couple turnovers. But you had Isaiah just playing on one foot, basically. And uh, just the heart of this team has been impressive what uh, I assume that you had a chance to watch it out there. <laughs> you just got to be pulling what you have left of your hair out with the way that these games have gone down, you know, at home at Moby, especially.
1: Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's an understatement to say it's been a challenging season. You, you just feel for the team and the staff, right. You know, they have been short handed on the roster, just the availability of players um, based on illness and, an injury but you know nico you know that's that's not where nico wants to go you know they still got to find a way to compete they still have to find a way to you know to to win games and and they're they're close in many cases and that's what's frustrating is when you you have an opportunity and especially at a home game where you know it's difficult to win in the mountain west particularly on the road so if you can focus on you know earning your home wins that that makes makes it level out a little bit, but yeah, it, um, I did watch, you know, was probably many people watching on FS one and was pulling form of course. And, you know, they had a really good early spurt in the, in the first half and then ended up with a five point deficit and, and battled back. So it was pretty impressive to see what they're able to
0: do. It's been, it's been frustrating. Um, you know, especially then you're still missing Jalen Lake last night, who's, Apparently still in the concussion protocol. It seems like a long stretch there. But this team, they don't quit, which is nice. But just it's been it has been a tough season for sure.
1: Yeah, it has been. You know, Nico and I had a chance to connect last week for, you know, just a, a little deeper conversation. And it was one that I was just offering support to him. You know, I re- reminded him he, he's Nico Medved. You know, he's, he's the head coach of CSU basketball. This doesn't feel good. Um, in many ways, he's never experienced a season like this as a head coach, so it's a little bit of foreign territory for him. So I just wanted to offer reassurances that, you know, we believe in his leadership and we're excited about what's ahead. And we know that uh, they're going to make the right adjustments, you know, through the remainder of the season and, and in, certainly in the offseason to get us back on a, on a track where, you know, we're, we're much more competitive in our conference and, and hopefully earning opportunities to be in postseason play.
0: Well, at this pace, uh, you know, it looks like we are, unless we make a little run here, this this very tough last stretch of games could be in that 10-11 matchup going into Las Vegas for the Mountain West Tournament. On a good note, it would, be, it would create an exciting play-in game with Wyoming, but uh, obviously you want to avoid that. I had a quick question, though, separate from all that. Um, I don't know, did you hear anything about an incident with the uh, Boise State coaches kind of going into the stands last night and chirping with a, a fan I don't know if it was a student or not I saw a guy that that Mike and I both know Kevin Coonan who who tweeted this last night he sits courtside and and he had said that there were a couple of assistant coaches that probably had had enough of the fan chirping and after the game kind of went up at the fan. I don't know if you heard
1: anything about that. Yeah, I did. I I got a text from Jeremiah Dickey at Boise State immediately after the game and you know, I, I, I you know, didn't quite understand the context. Uh so I called called back to four Collins and talked to Steve Cottingham, Chris Ferris just to get a feel for what what may have been the the game management issue and at that point they didn't have a whole lot of detail just described what you did and then I saw Kevin's tweet as well and you know, Chris shared that with me. So, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's highly competitive environment. You know, I I get it. People get frustrated people, you know, but, but, you know, ultimately, you know, we're all accountable to our actions and we've got to, we've got to be, you know, focused on just getting off the court particularly after a game. So, um, you know, you know, as much as I do, uh, you know, I think there's some awareness at the conference office, but ultimately I think the parties were interviewed and, and, you know, I don't think there was any, any next action steps by any means.
0: Are you at all concerned with our fan behavior or lack of security? Maybe I don't know what you call it, but especially coming off of the, the issue that made national headlines. What was that a week or, or just over a week ago with the Russia chant, you know, anything that you have on the radar, as far as trying to curb that kind of stuff, fan behavior and, making sure security is tighter. I don't know what you do.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, we've got great partners with, um, landmark, you know, which is kind of our first interface with fans on game day, you know, they manage event security and just crowd management and they're, they're monitoring, you know, what's going on and trying to counsel people that are getting a little bit over their skis on, on behavior. Um, you know, and we also obviously have CSUPD as the partner. And, and so, you know, when we, look towards the rest of the season, you know, with Wyoming going to be in the building, you know, we want to make sure that we've got appropriate uh, security around their bench in particular. So we'll, we'll, we'll monitor that carefully. We'll, we'll keep close eyes on it. We might add a little more staffing around there. Um, but it, you know, it's a, it's a challenge nationally, you know, it just, I think people are starting to reduce their, their own self observance of, of how they should behave, you know, lines are crossed and, and, uh, you know, people react. And it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, one incident can spoil a pretty special evening.
0: Well, I would welcome the additional security around uh, the visitor bench. That's where my season tickets are six rows up right behind their bench. And, you know, most of the visiting fans that are family, right. And, and that are sitting in that particular area, but I will tell you, there are some games and particularly just recently the UNLV game Where they, I don't mind people getting raucous and and you know and celebrating their own team. Um, and I haven't had anybody like point their ire or anything at at me, so I had no problem with that. But they just constantly move seats. Like I see them shuffling and trying to get in closer to the mid court. I'm like, that's those are not your seats. And you know, I just watch this happen, and people keep you know they're standing in everybody's way, and and there's no security to to stop them. So um, I would welcome. A little, a little heavier presence there by, by the visitor
2: bench, but and that's Joel with his uh, "get off my lawn" speech right there.
0: I know. I I try not to be that guy, but <laughs> come on, I'm trying to watch a game. I don't need uh, As he Musical, musical chairs, floor. you know, people moving <laughs> chairs every two seconds. So,
2: so uh, I got a question about officials, and this isn't necessarily about calls. And I, I know it's been tough when you look back to the same State game and Wyoming games and, and last night, the the non-calls or the uh, the calls made, it, it's been tough, but my question is just the lack of quality officials, um, and this isn't just an issue with the Mountain West, the NCAA, it's from high school all the way to the NBA. I know Chasa here in Colorado uh, recently Made some changes, uh, had some additions to try to recruit new uh, referees in all sports. So, is are there discussions at the conference and national levels on how to increase the the talent pool? Always,
1: yeah, we're always trying to figure out creative ways to to open up the pipeline, to increase the pipeline, to get more people involved, to uh, you know get more rigor in the in the training you know, exercises that, that officials go through. And, you know, Mike, I, I, it, it, you know, when you look at youth sports, it's a miserable job to be an official. And I, and I think that just kind of sets the tone from there, you know, um, you know, where you'd think there'd be a, a lot of people that are kind of getting into that, that side of sports and, and developing, and then eventually kind of matriculating to higher levels. It, it's just, you know, so it, I, I wish I had a better answer. Um, it is something that we constantly talk about. It's, it's probably only going to get more challenging. Um, you know, I was thinking the other day, you know, eventually we'll, will there be technology, you know, artificial intelligence that catches up, that gives us, you know, an alternative or an option. I don't know if that's the case or not, but, but you yeah. know, I, I don't know that it gets any better in the immediate near term, but it is something that we're going to continue to have focus on. It's a lot of discussion at the conference level, of course. Um, I think with Gloria Navarez, our new commissioner coming on board, you know, she's gonna, she's gonna put her focus on that, uh, and and we just got to figure out a way to make it better because it's such an important, obviously it's such an important part of the game, and we want, you know, we want to have a balanced officiating uh, experience for for teams because you know students put so much effort into their craft, and and you wanna want to make sure that there's not an imbalance created by by who's overseeing the, the game and implementing the rules
0: well it's great to see you uh, a couple weeks ago at one of our favorite winter events the recruiting roundup at denver country club what were your impressions from the event and just curious because it's got to be a considerable investment of time from your staff and your and the football coaching staff or what's well, pretty it's an intimate event i mean a couple hundred people there maybe yeah, so what, what makes yeah. that worthwhile to to host those events? we love them, but but for yeah. you guys, it's a it's a big investment time wise. No, it's it's just
1: that. I mean, you know, I think everyone that that attends that event experiences what you what you did, right? I mean, it, it is just a nice way to to gather, to create community, to get some insight as to you know, where our football program is, how it's developing. You know, the personality coaches get revealed in those conversations, and when they speak to the crowd. This year we had student athletes involved, um, which I thought was a really nice touch to the event. Um, you you really get an idea for how they view you know leadership in the locker room, the importance of building culture. Uh, so I, I it's it's our it's by far one of our favorite events, probably our fa- our our the favorite event for you know our staff, our football staff, and you know we'll continue to do it. You know we've done it now two years at the Denver Country Club. I think eventually once cherry hills has their clubhouse finished we'll probably go back there because that's where it's historically been but it's a nice nice event and a wonderful experience for fans and you know i wish wish we could get you know i mean you always want more people there right i think we had 150 people that had uh, pre-registered and then and then i think we had a pretty good walk-up of
0: folks that just showed up on evening of so i i, I agree there's probably close to 200 people that were well, yeah, we love it. It is a great time. Um, you mentioned the student athletes being there. I think it was the first time I, be- I believe that we've ever had student athletes there. And I think from my understanding, talking with John, what made that possible was the fact that I think they were paid an appearance fee to come to at least join the the reception, the pre-event reception that he was hosting. And then uh, obviously they stayed and participated in the, in the main event. But um, what were you – did you – attend the reception i don't know if you're allowed to attend the uh green and gold guard reception you Do know was-
1: i i uh i was i was in the building but i didn't go to the pre-event reception and, and honestly joel i don't know what <laughs> <laughs> there, there's there's so much you know just just vagueness and i thought you know i know everyone in that room you know the people that are part of the green and gold guard that were invited to the pre-event reception i know student athletes and i just thought you know you know with just a little ambiguity what what would my presence have added and I'm not sure so I just thought to err on the side of you know being respectful of what what you know what may be you know rules or or I just I just decided I'd kind of stay out it wasn't absolutely intentional I mean I got involved in a couple conversations that that just didn't allow me kind of to peel off and get in there but you know I got to applaud what what John Weber is doing and the people that are supporting him. I mean, without without his effort, we would be absolutely, you know, non-existent in the NIL, particularly the collective space. So, I mean, you know, to the to Ram Nation, I mean, if you're f- trying to figure out a way to have an immediate impact on on the student-athlete experience, you know, consider supporting the Green and Gold Guard. I think it's it's something that over time is going to become instrumental for us to to, to in particular retain talent you know I, I i think it and you know if you if you talk to john he you know we're never going to be in a position where where you know anyone has life transforming you know uh funding coming through the green and gold guard but as a college student to have some gaps filled you know when you get close to the end of the month and your stipend check is a little bit light um you know in that last week you know to have a couple extra hundred dollars maybe through through uh you know an appearance that you made that month makes a huge difference so you know i'm making my my pitch and i hope uh i hope ram nation responds
0: i've seen uh, i saw a couple people say after hearing him speak at the event they were going to join i saw people uh tweet after we had talked about john uh on our last podcast and they they said they were on board so i think it's slowly catching on obviously there's a long way to go and it's still very young but uh I, I, he he amazes me that guy amazes me john weber the amount of time he's put in and thought and uh the way he's organized it is amazing the other thing i thought was cool was to see jack graham at the event you know he he's not just there attending from what i understand john said that he's actually involved in and in putting time into this event this effort as well what's your relationship with him i i just find him fascinating i know that you know, obviously he has a huge background with the university as a former student athlete, obviously former athletic director uh, who you took over for, but you could see a guy maybe like that be a little disenchanted after being let go however many years ago, seven, eight years ago, whatever it was. And and he's still very much involved. Still very much loves the university. Just curious about what your relationship is like with him, and and your impressions of him.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I I'm I'm the kind of guy that you know you come into a new situation and you you honor the past. I mean, you you uh, you know I appreciate everything that everyone, including Jack, did to put CSU where it is today. And uh, you know, I I um, you know I see Jack around the community. Um, you know, I, I I see him every once in a while when I'm in Ginger and Baker. I see him at other events. Uh, I see him at you know our our games, and you know it it uh, you know it is nice to see that he's you know feels comfortable enough to to be a part of the community and and wants to contribute. And I know that he's been helpful with the Green and Gold Guard as they prop that up. I think he's done some event hosting at, at his house and at and at uh, Ginger and Baker, and and you know we. We need everyone. Um, you know, if we're going to be successful, we've got to make <clears throat> space for everyone to be a contributor in some way to helping us advance. It's it's just that important to make sure that, you know, we've got really strong alignment and that people that care about CSU have opportunities to, to plug in and make a difference.
0: Well, Joe, we avoided this topic for a little while, but uh, conference realignment has reared its ugly head once again. and you know, the reports that a PAC-12 invitation to San Diego State is inevitable. I think we asked this about you, from you three months ago or something like that, and there wasn't as much uh, smoke, but there is now, it seems. Have there been any further discussions? When we talked last time, you said there really hadn't been any internal discussions about what would happen if they were leave. Now that it seems like further down the road, are there any internal Mountain West discussions about this possibility and what contingencies there might be to replace them? Or would you stay at 10 for basketball, 11 for football or any anything going on?
1: Yeah. Uh, kind of all the above, you know, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, we live in a world of uncertainty and there's always seems to be, you know, a sun, sudden and sometimes unanticipated change and, and you've got to figure out a way to adapt to it. You know, Gloria, <laughs> Gloria just onboarded, on January 1st, she's been doing kind of her listening tour, trying to understand each of our individualized campuses. I think she's about halfway through the conference. And, and we've had, uh, you know, she's participated in one in-person meeting. We had a board of directors meeting before she started, which is the presidents and the ADs are invited to join that. That was in December. Um, you know, so I think she's just trying to get her feet on the ground, understand, uh, you know, the landscape a little bit more. Um, you know, I I think if if there is a uh, an invitation for San Diego State to join the Pac-12, uh, I, there'll be options for us. What um, as a league, you know, to to either hold pat or you know potentially look at expansion. But you know, until until you're kind of faced with the exact circumstances, it's hard to sort of you know chart the exact path forward. Um, you know, from a timing perspective and everything else. And you know, every one of us would accept, you know, a conversation to to consider, you know, the the opportunity to trade up. You know, I've always consistently said that we want to play at the highest level of FBS football. And and even if we don't uh, see an opportunity in this in this line, this next round of a realignment, if it were to take place, I still am really enthused. You know, I said it at the at uh, the Ram Roundup event in Denver. You know, our our path to the CFP is pretty clear now you know in 2024 when it expands from four teams to 12 teams and there is one spot that's reserved for the sixth uh, highest ranked conference champion um, I see that as being us and I know that's kind of a could be considered a bold statement when we haven't won a conference championship since 2002 but but I believe coach Norvell has got the right things in place to put us in that position And at the moment that we achieve a Mountain West championship, there's a very strong likelihood that we would be the sixth ranked conference champion. And and we're in the CFP and that will be transformational. And that's hopefully a vision that everyone can buy into and and support.
0: Awesome. So the other program, the other university as part of this discussion seems to be SMU, the Pac-12 is looking at potentially adding state-of-state state, SMU, according to reports. It's got to be frustrating to you as it is to us, because we look at that, and you, you talk about this all the time, that these Power Five conferences, the autonomous five conferences that are looking at maybe picking off top G5 conferences, they are, they're going to look for people that are going to bring eyeballs to t- television. They're going to want people that bring in big crowds to to events, right? But you look at a, a school like SMU, Good academics. Obviously, they're in a, in Dallas, which is nice. But do they really bring the eyeballs to Dallas? I mean, did you? you lo- I looked at the, their attendance. They they averaged twenty five thousand fans for football last year. They have a five year average under twenty two thousand. So it's not like um, it, it's it's not like they're a hot commodity. What what drives some of this? I, as, as you talk to us almost every month, saying, "Hey, we need to get more eyeballs. We need fans to get on board if we want to be a uh, have an opportunity here." But it doesn't look like SMU's fans are doing their part. But yet here they are. Well, I I, I
1: think there's a few things at play with SMU. Um, you know, there's always an attraction to getting into the state of Texas. You know, they they're a state with you know I think better than 26 million people. Um, highly, highly fertile grounds for high school football recruitment. SMU, while they're, you know, private school, smaller enrollment, you know, they do sit in a very attractive DFW Metroplex. And fan engagement comes in a a few different ways, right? They don't have the numbers, but they deliver in a different way with Mm -hmm. fan engagement. They have incredible levels of private support to their athletic department, to their university. Their their picture looks dramatically different than uh, you know like us as Colorado State in that regard, and I think they've also been able to develop pretty robust programming around NIL, and I think that's something that everyone's viewing is going to be necessary in the in the ongoing competitive landscape of FBS football. So they they check a couple boxes really hard that that you know we're trying to figure out how to develop you know in a way and. And so it does go back to just fan engagement. And, you know, every time I bring it up, you know, you know, I get beat up, it seems by it, but I I don't know any other way to say it. You know, we got to find people that care in ways that they haven't cared before about Colorado state athletics and just go all in, Um, you know, it, 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 you know, and that's our job. That's my job. That's the job of our, our team, you know, development, our external relations and, and the way that we tell our story and get people engaged around our programs. But but um, you know, we're we're right now at a, a different uh you know level of maturation, I think, than than SMU as it relates to private support. And that's something that I think, you know, has been probably a differentiator for them in this round. And and in geography, we can't change that, right? I mean that, you know, they're they're in a, a very, you know, rich, robust market where there's a lot of people. You know, you look at what TCU has done, I think, you know, they they're probably thinking with, you know, further investment, you know, SMU might be able to, you know, do that. And they've they've, you know, they've had a even when you look back over their history now, some of it is, you know, a bit challenged. You know, they're the only program in the history of FBS football that was received the death, death penalty, but <clears throat> but um you know they they had extremely high performing football programs in the past and that's not to say that we haven't but you know even there i think they've
0: had it on a different level that's a great espn 30 for 30 by the way yeah
1: know. oh yeah yeah um
0: so all those things being said with some of the shortcomings or or areas that csu still needs to get better at are you still able to have active conversations with the Pac-12 or the Big 12 through some of your existing connections. Um, I know obviously we've talked pretty in depth in the past about the 2016 exploratory process that uh, the Big 12 had and how we were part of that. Um, But are you still able to today uh, share our message or the vision that you've got for your CSU and what we could bring to a, to one of those leagues uh, despite our current lack of, of progress in
1: football? Uh, yeah, I mean, people still pick the phone up and answer and they'll enter into conversations. But, you know, this this has felt different. You know, every every time since 2016, it's felt a little bit different as 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 it relates to, you know, the metrics and the measurements and how people are making their assessments. You know, San Diego State, you know, has the, the good fortune in this case to sit in Southern California and they lost you know, two schools in the L.A. market. You know, I don't know that San Diego State delivers the L.A. market, but it gives them a toehold. Um, you know, and I, and I think it's it's also, you know, if that happens, it's a preemptive move potentially um, from the Big 12 that you know, Brett Yarmark, Yarmark, the um Commissioner there has said that you know he wants a national footprint and and really the the only time zone they don't have is, is a Pacific time zone so you know he's going to try and continue to push in that direction if he can, um, but but we'll see you know I mean it it um, you know the you know if you if you pay attention to what else is being said about the Pac-12 media rights deal you know they're they're probably going to have to tuck a lot of their content behind um, you know, into, into a streaming channel. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's good. That's kind of a pioneering move. It's, it's a sort of new space. Um, but I think that also generates some concern for those member institutions about, you know, will we still have the same level of awareness. Will the accessibility of our content still be as easy as it is when it's associated with a linear platform? Um, will they get the right financials, um, you know, how long will the term of their deal be? Will they be able to get everyone to sign into a grant of rights? If they don't get a grant of rights, then, you know, it's a fragile alliance that, that uh, quite frankly can be, you know, disrupted easily. Um, you know, will a new big 10 commissioner come in and and look at the landscape and decide that, you know, the, the current composition, of the big 10 needs to have more presence on the West coast. I think that's a likely scenario, you know, who, Who do they go to? What do they look towards? You know, and and I think it's pretty obvious that Washington and Oregon are two schools that, that would, uh, you know, have that appeal to, you know, an expansion mindset within the big 10. And if that happens, I think, you know, the four corner schools that have been talked about, you know, really think long and hard where they should be and, and the big 12 goes. And then, you know, it's a whole different situation about how things get aligned at that point. You know, and then, you know, San Diego State and SMU, if they if they make this move, then where are they at that point? They're about where they started, right? So so I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't have any great answers right now, other than we need to worry about who we are and you know, get get football to perform at the highest level possible. And I'm confident that Jay can do that. And I hope our fans respond when it happens.
0: The reason I asked that question is I I read a report just I think it was yesterday that the Big Twelve has said that upwards of 20 schools have reached out to them with interest. (laughs) Obviously everyone's going to have interest in doing that, but just wondering, and I know our fans are wondering, are we one of those squeaky wheels that have reached out and and make sure that, Hey, we, we are interested. I spent a lot of my career in big 12
1: territory. I grew up in this administrative leadership, higher ed space with many of the people that are decision makers in that conference rest assured that I'm doing my very best to keep connected to the people that would be important to any decision for CSU
2: very good love it love hearing that um so let's focus on CSU right uh track and field started off great so far uh good indoor season as we're heading into the outdoor women's tennis just defeated Nebraska for the first time in 26 tries uh women's softball went 3 and0 last weekend. Uh, men's golf is they're starting off the season ranked at 23rd swimming and diving are undefeated going into the mountain west championships um as we head into this spring season can you give us a you know kind of an update uh kind of your feelings on uh what we're looking like in in all these spring sports
1: yeah it's it's um you know i think we're you know, we have yet to earn a conference championship this year. I think we've got some great opportunities as we move into the spring season with these programs and, and the level they're performing. You know, we, we've we had, I think, 13 or 14 consecutive years where we've earned at least one Mountain West championship. So that's important to us. You know, I reflect back on last year. We earned two, but we had six teams that finished second in the Mountain West. and And some of those only by points short of earning the trophy. So. So you know, I think by many measures we're we're uh, top to bottom, you know, the most competitive program in the Mountain West, and you know we have expectations that we're going to earn championships. So you know, Coach Bedard, I mean, he's been the entire year calculating down to every point that he thinks he can earn and what's going to take what's it going to take to earn championships in the indoor for both the men and women. You know, he's already thinking about you know same exercise for the outdoor season. Um, You know. Uh, you know, men's golf with Michael Wilson at the helm. You know, I, th- I think you know Christian has been so close in the last three years. You know, I think we've got a a very mature team that that uh, really understands you know what 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 a competitive mindset is necessary to to come away with that championship. So I, I'm proud of their focus. You know, Miley came close last year as a first year head coach for us. You know, she'd come to us as a head coach from Drake. Um, and what she did in Nebraska, you know, that's pretty remarkable. I don't, I don't care. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know exactly what the state of the Nebraska roster is, but if you're an A5 school with A5 resources and we can go in and take a 7-0 match off of them, that's, that's phenomenal. And uh, so proud of what she's doing as she builds her program. So we're, we're, you know, we're, we're fired up about what's ahead and um, we're going to keep pressing and, really we we talk every day about championship culture and what it takes and and we've got um you know a lot of people committed to that cause we talk to our student athletes about it routinely um, coaches obviously are responsible for building culture within their program within their locker room and fi- find the right leadership voices but but we're really trying to use our our sac group which is our student athlete advisory committee to to leverage that across all of the department and we we have great conversations with them about you know, what it takes and, you know, you got to fight back that sense of entitlement. You've got to understand that, you know, you've got a role to, partic- to play on your team, regardless of whether you're a starter or a reserve. Um, every Everyone has an opportunity to make the, the program better each and every day, and we got to figure out what to keep that focus on. So, you know, those are the things we think about. Those are the things we talk about. and We're excited and energized with what's ahead
2: for, for the spring sports. So sticking with the spring, it comes up every year and that's baseball. I don't want to rehash it because we talked about it on this podcast before with you. That said, if if we were to expand, if we were to add sports and we'd have to add to a men and women's program, would it be something like looking at hockey uh, for both men and women's or lacrosse or something else?
1: Yeah, so it, it you know I, I think at some point in the future, and I've been saying this since I arrived, that was eight years ago. You know, we're going to have to make some decisions about our our uh, sports sponsorship. You know, we're at sixteen, which is the NCAA minimum um, enrollment at the university. Keeps uh, changing um, to 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 the point you know where there's more females enrolling at CSU than there are males. So we've got we've got to follow that that uh, that percentage. And, uh, you know, we've been able to maintain compliance with our Title IX numbers by doing a pretty aggressive um, exercise on roster management. You know, we, we try and uh, have every one of our women's programs allocate all their scholarship dollars, even if there's, you know, even if they aren't really certain they have the talent that would merit, you know, the scholarship, scholarship award. Um, we encourage our, our women's teams to, to try and fill out a full component of walk-ons. And then on the men's side, you know, we, we we put some limitations on on what they can do, particularly in the walk-on space, so that our participation numbers are appropriate. Uh, but Mike, to to solve all of that, we we will need to at some point in the future decide to add a women's program and and maybe two. And when we've talked about that, uh, lacrosse is probably the most frequently discussed uh, option for us. It it, it you know it's. Uh, yeah, it, it it just it's got the right numbers. It, you know, it seems like it'd be a good fit for us um, as far as the culture, of Colorado. You know, we've got some of the base facility um, needs that would be already met with you know our, our current field configurations and Canvas Stadium and some of the auxiliary locker room space we have over there. So, so you know, we'll we'll have to make a determination. You know, and I, I would guess within the next twenty four to thirty six months, we'll have to at least make a decision, put a plan in place, and develop a timeline.
2: Wow. That's that's great to hear. That's great to hear. It's pretty fascinating.
0: Joe, I had a question um, that we didn't get a chance to ask last month um, from Keith in North Carolina, longtime Ram fan, but he was asking about, and you kind of touched on her, but the new Commissioner, Mount West Commissioner Gloria Nevarez, what changes, if any, do you anticipate under her leadership? And I'm curious as, as to whether or not she has laid out any sort of a her own vision or plan for the league since she's arrived. I know she had only been there a short time, but has she laid out anything yet?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think she's getting a real appreciation for um, just the solidarity and collegiality that, that there exists in the room with the presidents and the ADs. I think uh, she's she's understanding, you know, the, the pride in place, and that all of us, you know, feel good about, you know, how we compete. Um, I think she's really getting laser focused on on the brand and how she can build awareness for the conference. The content creation that they do at the league level is is you know changing a little bit. They're they're trying to focus more on talking points and encouraging each of us as ads and and the head coaches in particular to. To, you know, to borrow the microphone for a moment to to uh you know shine the spotlight on on the good uh competitive environment that's created within the Mountain West, you know, and certainly men's basketball this year, you know, it is is an area where there's a lot of points of pride for the conference and and our ability to compete, kind of garner some national recognition. So that's that's gonna be a big focus and and as we near to, you know, approach the end of the regular season and get into tournament play, that's gonna be something I think that they're gonna amp up and continue to really press hard on. Um and and you know, and even though, you know, we right now as a programmer are, are underperforming our expectations, you know, the the bottom half of the league is is better than it's ever been. Um uh, you know, and, and any one of us in any given season can can find the right mix of our roster to be highly competitive and be at the top of it as we were last year. You know, we were, we were second in the regular season in the mountain West and, and made a tournament bid. And I think we were the highest uh, seeded program, in the mountain West. Well, we achieved our highest seed with six seeds. So, you know, there's great things to talk about. And I think Gloria is kind of, you know, really turning her focus on those things and as I said she's made her her way halfway around the conference she hasn't met she hasn't been on our our campus yet but we're excited when she does to to share all the good things happening at Colorado State.
0: Along those lines I think we asked you about this last month because she had just been named the new president but uh, Amy Parsons been on the job for what two months now anything of note I know you know her uh, but anything of note in her support of athletics and vision for the future of csu athletics i think it's cool when you see her on twitter taking pictures with incoming football recruits and she's at the volleyball banquet and she's obviously uh, intertwined with athletics which you you love to see but just curious as to your impressions on how involved she'll be with athletics
1: i think amy parsons is awesome i think she is a going to be a remarkable leader for our campus and every facet of higher education. I think she's got a real vision for where she wants to take the institution. And it's it's uh, grounded in a strong fi- foundation of, you know, care and passion for CSU. You know, she had her own student experience. Her daughter's on campus right now. Um, Amy has, you know, I, I really appreciated her as a colleague. Um, when I onboarded, she was a member of Tony's Cabinet president frank's cabinet and she was instrumental in helping the university navigate the stadium project and i think that right there shows you exactly what she's going to do as a president you know anyone that can go all in on that facility and kind of turn the community tide to, to to get us to the point in which we could put a shovel in the ground and and build you know as we've all discussed and know is the best stadium in america you know she she's not gonna she's not going to uh you know, have any other attitude, you know, other than athletics is, is complementary to the overall mission of the institution. And uh, we're, we're the key engagement asset of the university, and she's going to want to help us, you know, really fulfill that mission. And, and, uh, and, and beyond mission, you know, I, mean, I think she's bought into the vision that, that, you know, we've been talking about, you know, that we want to be Um, You know, we want to elevate the value of every CSU degree by making the college football playoff and NCAA postseason play in as many sports as possible, because that's when we get a chance to shine, uh, you know, a a spotlight on on CSU in every way possible. And that gives her as president a chance to stand on the highest stage with the largest megaphone and talk about all the incredible things that this university does for not only Colorado, uh, but the globe.
0: Well, just a couple more for you, Joe. The nomination window for the thirty-first Hall of Fame class opens uh, this coming Monday. Can you talk about the selection process specifically? Nomination criteria, the process, and who who actually is? Is there a committee who makes these decisions? Just curious about all that.
1: Yeah, uh, it's a committee appointed by the director of athletics. Um, uh, the chair of that committee is Kyle Neves, who's on our staff, and it's a it's a good cross section of people that that have a passion for CSU athletics and, and have a deep knowledge of uh, of you know the people that have contributed to the traditions of CSU athletics um So you know we we've gotten in a rhythm that we do the Hall of Fame and induction every every other year. So last time we did it was in 2021 and we uh, we inducted a class of five. I think we'll look to this year uh to do you know a class of similar size you know probably five to seven. Um, you know, and, and they, they call through, you know, archives, you know, one one of those committee members, I won't reveal them all, but, you know, John Hearn. So he's the, he's the, the official unofficial, um, historian for CSU athletics. And, and, you know, you all know John and, and what he's contributed to CSU athletics and the overall university with his passion for, you know, preserving our history. So we'll. We'll identify a, a really, you know, competitive list of people that that you know deserve that option. And then the committee delivers that list to me and I I review it and get a chance to nuance it, you know, um and, and make you know a selection. You know they'll they'll usually go above, you know, the five to seven and and uh you know, one of the criteria that we for for an induction to happen, we want that person to be present. So a lot of times, if we've got active people, the professional ranks, you know, we'll we'll reach out, we'll have the conversation, but we we ask, um, we'll hold off the actual induction until they until they're available when their calendar frees up and they've got the ability to be there. So you know, we do the induction around a, a fall football weekend. So so that makes it challenging when we've got anyone who's an active NFL player in particular, but like, like Jason Smith a few years back, you know, I called Jason and, and he, he was sort of on the fence about whether he's going to continue his professional career. He he decided to kind of up one more year. And so we held off his induction until he finally made his full retirement. And, and then he made it to campus and we had a great celebration with him, but you know, it, it, it's a, it's an important thing that we do, um, you know, to memorialize the greats of CSU athletics and put a focus on Ram legends and, and, uh, you know, for those of you that have an interest, you know, it's an open event. We actually do the induction ceremony. It's a, a banquet that we host at typically at Canvas Stadium. So hopefully uh, hopefully, we can continue to build momentum around that event and get people to participate because it's, it's pretty special. It's a special evening when you hear those people talk about, you know, what CSU meant to them, the teammates and coaches that mentored them. It's a powerful
0: night. Has there been, and this kind of sparked a thought we've talked about this for a long time. Has there ever been any talk about expanding, or I guess not a ring of fame, but you know, we've got the three names up on the the side of canvas. You've got Eddie Hanna, fun McGraw and Greg Myers. Has there been any thought of expanding that? I mean, there's a lot of worthy football players out there over our history. Why have we just stuck with those three? Well, um, that's an interesting question. I
1: appreciate it very much. Uh, you know that that that, in my opinion, is about the highest is the highest honor that we can offer to anyone that played the sport of football. And um, you know, certainly Eddie Hanna has his unique history with with uh, our department um, and, and and the university. Um, you know, he he passed away after after competing for CSU. Uh, as a student athlete. And, and that's, you know, that, that's a really, really heartfelt situation. Um, the two others that are on, on the stadium are college football hall of fame members. Um, so, you know, I, I look at it, you know, and the time that I've been at CSU, I, I'm not sure that that I can think of a criteria that would be more important than being a college football hall of fame member. And then certainly Eddie's unique experience. So if you start to think about who else deserves that opportunity, it becomes in my mind, a real challenge to kind of, you know, visualize what that would be. And then, and then how do you, how do you make those choices moving forward? So, You know, I I feel really comfortable right now just feeling like, you know, one of the criteria needs to be, you know, a college football Hall of Fame member. And, uh, you know, I don't know when the next time we're going to see one of our former players earn that recognition. But but if we, uh, you know, if we try to veer in a different direction, you know, then it then it becomes pretty cloudy. You know, who deserves that opportunity that that uh, that. And I'm sure there's people that could agree or disagree with that. And I know every day I'm going to wake up and make a decision that someone's not going to be happy with.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's the way it works, Joe.
2: Yeah, <laughs> That happens with you.
0: <laughs> happens with all of us, doesn't it?
2: For the first, first yeah. time I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I
0: guess this is a good one to wrap up on for me anyway. Um, we had a, a question from Brian in Arvada and, basically asked where do you see csu in the next five years and beyond 10 you know 10 years beyond obviously i don't don't know if you'll still be here joe or not but where do you envision csu being at those points yeah yeah you know i I mean i've 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 had such a remarkable
1: experience at every place that i've been but you know that when when I cross into April of this year, this will be the longest I've been at any one place. It'll surpass my time at Michigan, which was eight years. And um, I mean, I I'm proud of this institution. I'm, you know, I'm. I think you know the sky's the limit. You know, right now we're we're working hard to recruit a VP for University Advancement to the university and the the committee that's working on on. Amy's behalf, President Parson's behalf is really trying to understand the marketplace. And as we talk to people, which we've been doing all this week, um, it, it it's really fun to share, you know, who we are and where we think we're going. And institutions I think can be defined by two things, people and place. And I, I would argue with anyone that, you know, you, you couldn't have a better place to have a tier one research institution than Fort Collins, Colorado and for decades this place has re, has been able to attract remarkably talented people and so i think we've got the best of both people and place and when you have that i think you know you you can pick any point on the horizon as far out on the horizon as you want to and you know you can get there and i think that's exactly what we're trying to do as an institution as a university is is push in every direction to fulfill excellence in everything that we do and i think for Colorado state athletics, you know, that's, that's earning championships. That's uh, playing at the highest level of FBS football. That is, uh, uh, doing it winning, winning, but winning with integrity. We're one of seven schools that have never had a major violation. And that's something that we talk about all the time, you know, mistakes are going to be made, but you know, when you, when you encounter a problem, you got to fix it, you know, so never pass a problem is one of our mantras and, and cultural expectations. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm excited, you know, so, so where will we be in five years? You know, I, I hope uh, we're reflecting back on multiple championships by our football program. I hope Nico and his team have earned uh, uh, multiple Mountain West championships and have played, you know, deep into the NCAA tournament. I hope Ryan Williams has done the same and, and I hope all of our other programs, you know, I hope volleyball continues to churn away under Emily Cohen's leadership, you know, in the way that it did with Tom and and even elevates beyond that. I know that that's what Tom would want to have happen is is that program to surpass the expectations that he set for it. So, you know, we want to be the preeminent program in the Mountain West. We want to be recognized as one of the best intercollegiate athletic departments in the nation. So that's a lofty goal and a great vision. And and we're recruiting everyone we can to that effort. You know, student athletes, alumni, people in our community, we want them to be with us, behind us, locked arm to move forward.
0: Well, another great discussion, Joe. Really appreciate
2: it. Mike, you got anything left? No, oh, just want to say thanks. You know, this is this it's always good and it's always eye opening. And, you know, our fans love to hear it. Even though sometimes they might disagree, they love hearing it. So thank you very much. Yep.
1: Absolutely. I love to participate. You guys are awesome. You're you're part of building the culture that we want to make happen here at CSU. So, you know, I'm I'm all in and our coaches are too. And I'm glad to hear you're gonna have some student athletes on in the future too.
0: Yep tonight all right awesome all right. thanks joe you bet appreciate Thank it you guys. have a great day go rams get us go a great. win out there in san diego okay all thanks, right guys. see you. care that was joe parker whether you like him or not or agree with everything he does or his success in football <laughs> whatever it may be you got to give him credit for coming on with us every month answering our questions got up at uh joined us at 7 a.m he's in san diego right now and and uh was committed to to joining us and talking for an hour. So uh, much appreciation to Joe with his hard work. He would hope that at some point we're gonna get some, some luck turning his way as well so thanks everybody for listening just want to ask you to support our sponsors as always they are what make this whole thing go so as mentioned we are going to be hosting Tavy jackson isaiah rivera and patrick cartier on the podcast tonight we'll do a separate recording we'll either send that out uh, late tonight or early tomorrow morning friday morning so stay tuned for that uh, go Ranch.